Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. If you found your place and you're willing and able to, please stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And before we read, I just want to thank Pastor for the opportunity that I have to preach tonight. I always enjoy every chance uh, that I get, so I'm thankful for this opportunity, and I look forward to sharing with you Psalm 59. And so just to give you a little little background before we dive into this, Psalm 59 is what we would call an imprecatory psalm. It is a psalm, uh, it's a prayer song that is asking God to judge an enemy. So the verb uh, imprecate means to pray evil against. So keep that in mind as we're reading Psalm 59. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend, them, defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me and behold. Thou therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. Selah. They return at evening. They make a noise like a dog and go round about the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouths. Swords are in their lips. For, for who say they doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. The God of my mercy shall prevent me. God shall let me see my desire upon mine enemies. Slay them not, lest my people forget. Scatter them by thy power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, and let them know that God ruleth in Jacob unto the ends of the earth, Selah. And at the evening let them return, and let them make a noise like a dog, and go round about the city. Let them wander up and down for meat, and grudge it, uh, grudge if they be not satisfied. But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing... For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this evening and thank you for this opportunity uh, that we have now to open your word and, and to study it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I preach. Fill me with your spirit and use me. Lord, I pray that we'd learn truths from your word tonight. And I ask all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When you see this sign, what comes to your mind? Beware of dog. For some people, this is just a sign, and it means absolutely nothing. For others, this sign strikes fear in the heart of individuals. I'm looking at Miss Paula, and she, she delivers our mail for us, and I know this sign means something to her. Many times when I go out on Saturdays, if I see this sign, I'm going in a different direction. I'm the type of person that likes to heed warning signs. So if I see a stop sign going down the road, I plan on stopping. It's not always the case, but that's, that's my intention. If I see a yield sign, I'm going to yield. 
If I see the little hand go up on the crosswalk when I'm about to cross the street, I don't walk across and annoy the people who have a green light that are trying to get where they need to go. So when I see a beware of dog sign, you know what I do? I beware. I've seen my fair share of unfriendly dogs, dogs that have been trained to protect their master and obey their masters at whatever they tell them to do and whatever the cost. Well, King Saul, he kept some dogs in his palace, so to speak. They were mean. They were savage. They were definitely the beware of dog type. And on more than one occasion, he had let these dogs loose on David. And this psalm has to do with one of those occasions. To get us up to speed where we're at in Psalm chapter 59, Saul, he had been elected king of Israel by popular vote. He had been the people's choice because he was tall, he was handsome, he was outwardly imposing. But Saul had failed. He had disobeyed God's clear commands. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you study out, God had told Saul to utterly destroy the people of Amalek. And he didn't do it. He killed the people of Amalek, but he spared the king. He spared King Agag, and he spared the best of the oxen and the sheep and the cattle. And God, through Samuel, tells him, because you have disobeyed me, because you have not done what I told you to do, then I'm going to remove my spirit from you. I'm going to remove my hand of blessing from you. And now King Saul was tormented by evil spirits which made him a very unstable individual. And under their influence, severe mood swings would plague the king. His court advisors thought that music would help get rid of these evil spirits and help get rid of these deep, dark depressions that he was in. And they searched for a musician and they found David. And David was hired to play the harp in hopes to soothe Saul's troubled soul. And so far, it was working. So far, so good. But then came the Philistine invasion led by the giant Goliath. And now, had, now Saul had this matter on his mind. David at this time went back to his family farm and for a month and a half, Goliath mocked the children of Israel. They mocked their God. David later on shows up at the battle to bring food to his brothers. And he saw the need. He saw Goliath mocking the children of Israel and mocking God. So you know what he did? He went out and he killed Goliath. And the love that Saul once cherished for his musician turned to suspicion and envy. And from that day forward, Saul felt threatened. Again and again, he would eye David and sought to slay him. That's where I'd like you to take your Bibles now and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 19. And this will give us the background of our psalm tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 19. And we'll read verses 1 through 19 together. It says, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. And Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee. Because his works have been to thee were very good. 
And Saul here, he's, he's defending David. He's saying, David's did nothing but good for you. Why do you want to kill him? For he did put his life in his hand, and he slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore uh, then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he should not be slain. Lie. That wasn't his intentions. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And an evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with a javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. This is where you pick up now in Psalm 59. Saul, in verse 11, Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, Tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up in the bed that I may slay him. When the messengers were come, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. And Saul said unto Michael, Why hast thou deceived me so, and sent away mine enemy, that he has escaped? Michael answered and said, Saul, he said unto me, Let me go. <laughs> Why should I kill thee? So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. So that brings us up to speed at, at kind of where we're at in Psalm chapter 59 right here. It's likely David wrote this psalm after it happened, and he's recalling the events that transpired after that. But the first thing I want us to see tonight from our text is David's prayer for deliverance. David's prayer for deliverance. God's people can always turn to the Lord in times of danger, in times of testing, because God hears our prayers. That's a very comforting thought to know that God is always listening and is always wanting to work on behalf of His children. And so David's prayer for his deliverance starts with his plea. In verses 1 and 2, he says, Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. So his prayer, his plea, it's very simple. Deliver me and defend me. But what is it exactly that he needed the delivering from? So let's look in verses 3-9 through nine and see the predicament that he's, that he's gotten himself into. In verses 3 it says, For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me, and behold. He's asking God to, to, to wake up, so to speak. But, but God was already awake. God wasn't sleeping. But this is, it, it, David's not really saying, God, uh, arise from your sleep. He's saying, this is urgent. All right, I, I need you right now, God. Thou therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. So his plea was simple, deliver me and defend me, but the predicament that he was in was not so simple. He was a wanted man. King Saul wants him dead. So he sends some of his minions to go and watch him while he sleeps, and when he wakes up, they have orders to kill him. 
Not exactly a situation that you want to be in. And so his wife at this time gives him some great words of wisdom. If you don't save yourself tonight, you're going to die in the morning. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your words of encouragement. But that's a terrible place to be at. Your boss has tried to kill you earlier. Assassins are outside your house waiting to kill you in the morning. And your wife is stating the obvious. I don't know what's the worst situation to be in at that moment. But I can imagine David, he's, he's pacing the floor, trying to figure out what to do. He's probably talking about uh, uh, different possibilities of escape. Maybe, maybe I can go out this way, or do this, or do that. And I can see him as he paces the floor, maybe he stops. And he gets on his knees. He begins to pour out his heart to God. He says, deliver me and defend me. Deliver me and defend me. For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin. He's saying, God, they're outside my door. They want to kill me. They're mighty men. They're warriors. They want to kill me, and I've done nothing wrong. They're ready right now to kill me. Help me. Have you ever had a moment just being completely overwhelmed with what's happening around you? You reach this breaking point, so to speak. I've been there before, and I think it's safe to say most of us all have been there before. Whether it's something that's work-related, health-related, family-related, maybe you've been overwhelmed with all the wickedness around you, and that's what David is going through. But do you ever just need to kind of take a time out and realign your focus a little bit? Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2 are, are very helpful verses when it comes to realigning your focus. It says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Sometimes it's easy to lose the focus where it ought to be. It ought to be focused on Christ. But we can get so caught up with our circumstances and whatever it is that's going on in our life at that time, that we focus on that instead of Christ. So David, he, he's in this tough situation. He's pleading for God to defend him. He's pleading for God to, to show himself mighty on his behalf. And he's kind of complaining just a little bit. And in verse 5, David gathers his composure. David took a time out and aligned his priorities and aligned his focus. And he, took, he could take comfort in his tough situation, he could take comfort in his predicament because he had seen God work mightily on his half before. And God had a history of coming through for King David. And just as a shepherd boy, he, he, he kills a lion. Just as a shepherd boy, he kills a bear. Just as a young kid who wasn't old enough to be in the army, he slays Goliath. God had a history of showing up mightily on behalf of David. And I ask you tonight, does God have a history of coming through for you in tough situations? David views the peril of a situation. King Saul, who's tried to murder him on multiple occasions, has these assassins outside of his gate. They're all over town watching and waiting for David to exit the house. And the night is quickly fading and soon the sun will rise and it will all be over unless God acts on David's behalf. 
So David sits there on his knees beside his bed. And he thinks about the situation that he's in. Verses 6 and 7, David begins to describe his enemy to God. Verse 6, it says, They return at evening. They make a noise like a dog and go round about the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. Swords are in their lips. For, for who say they doth hear? David obviously did not hold these people in very high regard. He essentially said they were nothing but prowling, snarling dogs that were foaming out the mouth, spewing out evil words and rummaging through the garbage of the city. And all the while, while they were prowling and growling and waiting to destroy, God was laughing. Verse number 8 says, But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen then in derision. Psalm 37, 13, it says, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The spies, they were outside watching David, waiting for David, but David was watching and waiting for God to act. Psalm 59, 9 says, Because of his strength, I will wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Psalm 121, verses 7 and 8 says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. forevermore. God was David's strength. He was his fortress. And there was no reason to be afraid. And there's a lot that we can learn from that truth that we should learn to watch and wait on God. Our human nature inside each and every one of us is to try and solve our problems on our own. We try and face our problems head on, but sometimes it's good to just wait. Sometimes it's good to just let God have full control of the situation that you're in. Which leads us to our second point tonight. God provides deliverance. I love the confidence that's displayed by David in verse 10. He says, the God of my mercy shall prevent me. He's like, it's like 100%. It's a guarantee. The word prevent, it means to, to go before. And he says, the God of my mercy shall go before me. He will protect me. And when it comes to facing and fighting the enemy, the Lord goes before us. He's there to protect us. He's there to take care of us. He's there to help us through every situation that we face. So God, He provides deliverance. And we see in verses 10-15 through 15 that He protects David. God protects David. In verses 11-15, through 15, it says, Slay them not, lest my people forget. Scatter them by Thy power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may not be. And let them know that God ruleth in Jacob unto the ends of the earth, Selah. And at evening let them return and let them make a noise like a dog and go round about the city. Let them wander up and down for meat and grudge if they be not satisfied. So we'll explain that in just a minute. But how did David escape all of this? Like I said, it's most likely written after David had already escaped. But the actual escape that took place is really cool. People who say that the Bible is boring obviously don't read it. All right, so David and his wife come up with this idea that they should lower him out of a window and make a dummy to put in the bed to make it look like he's still there. That's a pretty cool idea. I feel like if assassins were outside of my house and they were coming after me, I don't... I don't think she could come up with an idea that good. 
I'm, I'm just saying. I don't think she could come up with that. Well, probably she couldn't lower me out the window. That's probably the first problem. <laughs> That's probably, probably the first problem that we got to get past. But they tie up the sheets together, and she lowers him down after the window. And after he is gone, his wife puts a dummy in the bed with goat hair all over it. Now, that's a, that's a whole different story there that you have to put goat hair. And then, and then she tucks him in real nicely for bed that night. The assassins, they show up to kill David, and his wife, Michael, says, You can't come in right now. David is sick. Okay, like, you got orders to kill him, so what if he's sick? So the assassins leave... To go, to go tell King Saul, like, oh yeah, you sent us to kill him, but, but he's sick. We, we can't kill him right now. You can't, you can't kill David when he's sick. That's terrible. He says, you know what? Go back, bring his bed, bring him, and I'll kill him. So they leave again. They go back. They knock on the door. It's like, hey, we're coming in. We're coming to get you. But then they discover that it's just a dummy in the bed. They've been tricked. And David at this point is long gone before they even realize that they've been duped. David, he flees to the prophet Samuel, who's in Ramah. And he told him everything that had happened. And this doesn't surprise Samuel at all. But to give David's wife, Michael, a little bit of credit, her warning of telling David that her dad wanted to kill him, an immediate action saved his life. And the use of the dummy brought David more time but you have to know it was the Lord who answered the prayer and orchestrated the escape. And the Lord uses humans all the time to accomplish His purposes. David's faith was in the Lord. It wasn't in himself because he knew only the Lord could be his defense and his refuge. Back to our few verses here. And David's prayer against his enemies is rather unique. It's kind of different, to be honest. You would think that after Saul orders all right, these men to kill him, that you know, he's going to pray, kill Saul and kill all these assassins that are outside my house right now because I don't want to have to deal with them. you think that would be his situation. But he asks that God not destroy his enemies immediately. But rather, David wanted his people to see God's judgment upon his enemies. Verse 11 and 12, it says, Slay them not, lest my people forget. Scatter them by thy power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For their sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. So David, he asked God not to kill Saul and his men with some sudden judgment, but rather allow their sins to catch up with them and destroy them gradually. This would serve as a warning to the children of Israel and teach them a lesson that they couldn't learn any other way. And oftentimes, other people's lives and other people's mistakes can serve as a warning to us as well. It can serve as a warning to, to not take that same road. In verses 13 to 15, to summarize it, David's saying this, They acted like dogs, and when judgment comes, I want them to whine and whimper like a dog. And David wasn't messing around when it, come, when it came to, pr uh, to praying against his enemies. And then you have a complete shift in the text. A total sh shift in direction in verses 16 and 17. And you see David from praying against his enemies and asking God's judgment upon his enemies to now David praising God. 
Verse 16 says, But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. This bad situation that David's facing, it's not over. Saul's going to find out where he is, and he's going to try and hunt him down. But he does have a few moments to kind of take a breath and, and regather himself. And for roughly the next 10 years, he's going to be on the run. But it's characteristic of David that he finds something to sing about, even in the midst of a bad situation. He tells us why he wants to sing in verse 16. But I will sing of thy power. I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. The immediate danger that was facing David uh, of the night, it, it's over. All right? Saul's dogs had gone back to tell the king that David had escaped. They related the story of how there was a dummy in the bed and that Michael had, had claimed that David threatened to kill her, that if, he tried, that if she tried to stop him from escaping, and we know that was a lie. But however, David does not attribute or attribute his escape to his own clever thinking. He doesn't take credit for his escape. God saved him. That's all there was to it. And that's why he wanted to sing. Because God gave him the deliverance that he asked for. He tells us what he would like to sing. He says, For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. The word defense, it, it means a, a high place. And David had found in God a place so high, so lofty, that no one could hurt him there. And like I mentioned earlier, we don't know where David was when he was writing the closing stanzas to Psalm chapter 59. My guess is he was somewhere in a cave, because that's where he writes most of his psalms. But no matter where he was at, he knew he was safe in the arms of God. No wonder he wanted this psalm to go to the chief musician. And this psalm throughout history would be used by the children of Israel when they were afraid. And how God would show Himself mighty on their behalf. So in conclusion, we're almost done. It's always my goal to have you out before 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night when I preach. So we're, we're going to do it tonight. So what can we take home from this? At various points in our lives, there will be people who are actively out to get us. It's just going to happen. And this shouldn't surprise us. But the first thing to do in response to those who make themselves an enemy is call out to God and run to Him just like David did. So you have to answer this question for yourself tonight. Is God your defense? Is God your high place? Is He the place that you run to for safety when you are overwhelmed? Let God fight your battle, and while He does, praise Him. David's praise was, was in the form of song. There's a lot of singing that takes place in the last two verses. All right, verse 16, But I will sing of thy power. I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. 
Verse 17, unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. I love going back to that thought. That even though he was in a bad situation, David could sing the praises of God. God is a God of deliverance. And He is worthy of our praise. So what are we going to take home from this tonight? Think about your own personal life real quick. What bad situation are you facing? Now I hope there's no assassins waiting outside each of your homes tonight. I don't want that for anybody in here tonight. But I don't know what you're facing. Maybe it's, maybe it's a financial battle. Maybe it's something work. Maybe you're facing a difficulty with your family. Maybe it's an obstacle that seems insurmountable. It, it doesn't matter the bad situation. Can you still glorify God in the midst of that bad situation? Can you still sing His praises? Can you still sing about His power? Can you still sing about His mercies that are new every morning? Do you run to Him as your refuge and your defense? Can you say like David in verse 17, can you say, God, You are my strength. And because You are my strength, I will sing. God, I know You defend me. I know You're merciful. I know You love me. It doesn't matter what bad situation that you are facing, God can deliver you. And His name is worthy to be praised.